heart and soul of a nation, beckons the call. The voice of our forefathers heard in the distance. A house divided against itself cannot stand. To reclaim our honor. honor. Our soul. The challenges of a generation call out. Future generations hang in the balance. We choose liberty. This is the voice of a nation. The nation. The nation. The nation. And now, Malcolm. Well, there seems to be no limit to the arrogance and political greed of uh, Chinese leader uh, Xi Jinping and, of course, the China Communist Party, the CCP, or the amount of suffering that they're willing to impose on their own people. Uh, you take a look from the brutal takeover of uh, independence love in Hong Kong, open threats to Taiwan, to the officially sanctioned imprisonment, torture, slavery, organ harvesting, genocide of the Uyghurs, and the brutal persecution of the Falun Gong throughout China. Uh, Xi and his uh, CCP there have created an industry of persecution, slavery, and genocide that should shock just about every human being. But my fellow Americans, that is only the beginning of the story. Welcome to the Voice of a Nation. Here it is, Malcolm Out Loud. And uh, talk a little bit about the Red Dragon today in a lot of different ways. Um, you know, it's a story we've been talking about for some years, actually, China. But it is actually more bolden in our face right now, don't you think? And, and it seems that way with a lot of our adversaries and uh, uh, straight out enemies as well, that uh, even including the Marxist left, there's not much more that's hidden anymore. I mean, you have to admit, it's it's just all out there in the open daylight. It, you know, it, at least at one time, it, sure, some of these things were happening. Uh, absolutely, it's like this isn't like a whole new flavor. Uh, sure, the, a lot of these things were happening in their infancy stages in the 80s and 90s, surely. But they hid a good part of it. Now, we can argue that point and say, is it better that they hide that part of it so we really don't know? Is it better to throw it all on us where we feel like we're drowned in it? And isn't that kind of the case, actually? Don't you get the sense some days we feel like we're overwhelmed with all of this BS? And it, it seems like we're going down a, a road that we, we surely don't recognize in our life, in our generation. But there is... a. a a silver lining, and maybe we call it a golden lining here, or uh, maybe a red lining, either one here. But uh, there is a lining to all this of some sort that could be actually favorable to us. And, and I just want to remind you of that up front here. You know, the more that is layered on and layered on and layered on to the American people, you know, I think that potentially puts us in a position where we do wake people up. In other words, rather than that slow creep, which had been happening for a lot of years. Right now, it's, you know, th there's nothing sacred anymore. It's all out there. But in, in a weird sort of way, that could be a very good thing. I mean, let's look at it in those terms, at least, okay? As, as they say, you know, it is what it is, right? And, and our job is to figure out what that path forward is now. Listen, China is no laughing matter what's happening here, um, what's taking place. And, and it's more than just, well, they want world dominance. So, you know, listen, if, if you deserve it and you win the gold medal, terrific. You, you, you get it, you know. And, and let's, let's remind ourselves of one other thing, please. 
you know, I know many of us think differently, but, you know, America doesn't have the exclusivity to be the world dominant force. You know, it's not in a contract anywhere. Keep that in mind, please. Okay, I know many of us think that that's the case. They say, well, who the hell do they think they are? They want world dominance. Well, you know, they're probably sitting over there in their, their boardroom saying, who the hell do they think we are? And, you know, they actually are doing that. They're thinking the same way. So you have to remember that we, America, this American experiment is, is really, I call, always call it a special gift to, uh, to humankind, to mankind. You, you have to be careful now when you say man, anything, mankind. And even when you use those grammar programs, they correct you immediately. Oh, can't use that. Like if you say China virus, they want you to fix that as well. And of course I use all the wrong terms naturally. So the thing is always flag and B, you see, well, <laughs> you know, warning, warning. But, uh, you know, the way to look at China as well as this, if we can understand that what the CCP, this communist party here, yeah, and Xi Jinping, if you think in the terms of what they're willing to do to their own people, and I just read you a litany list of that up front here, right? Well, then the question you need to really ask yourself is, what do you think they're willing to do to Americans or anyone else for that matter? You see, the challenge is, my fellow Americans, is they have no value to human life. There is no value to human life there. It just simply doesn't exist. In fact, the two biggest challenges that mankind is going to have in the future is going to be China and it's going to be the uh, extremist Islam. And right now, as we further this conversation, we're dealing with both of these problems here. Sometimes one takes more of the front burner. Right now, it's China. But let me tell you right now, there ain't too many more days forward. And we'll be talking about uh, the extremist Islam fanatics and the people who cut heads off uh, just for sport of it. Because, again, none of these groups value any human life. It's, it doesn't matter to them. And that's where we are a little different in the West. We, we tend to value life. We tend to value our constitution. We tend, tend to value God Almighty. All the things that these groups have no value in. They have a different value system, you see? Yeah. So it's another way you have to look at it all. I'd like to talk to you a little bit today in a, in a more serious tone about China. We have an extraordinary uh, couple hours coming up here with you and some very unique folks uh, to... Um, experts to add to the conversation. I think you'll learn a few things here. Uh, I'd, I'd like to start with uh, talking about China's future in the balance, but before we get to China's future in the balance and what does that really mean, we can't do that without talking about Wuhan, can we now, right? I mean, that is front and center right now in the news cycle. And what's remarkable, and I talked about this last weekend actually on Viewpoint this Sunday to y'all, and that is that this really isn't a revelation to any of us really that really follow this story and understand it. I mean, we reported on this back in January, February, March of 2020 when this thing was just coming over here, you see, when they propagate around the world. Remember, well, China was kind to do that, lock down their own borders, but let it flood the rest of the world. And we reported on that back in January, February of 2020. And, and of course, at that time, anything you said about the Wuhan lab or anything else, they kept correcting it saying, no, it was the bat and the soup and the seafood market down the boulevard. And then the media oligarchs and the others would censor you, throw you off the platforms. And 
this is our version of liberty today in free speech we're dealing with here now. It's an absolute joke. And now these oligarchs come out and say, well, I think it's okay right now to talk about Wuhan, but just don't talk about, you know, this other thing over here, the election fraud. You can't talk about that because we'll throw your ass off the platform. So it just depends what they pick and choose on any given day, what we can talk about or not talk about. You get the feeling we're actually starting to look and feel and sound a lot like China, actually, huh? But one of our experts on America Out Loud here, Ilana Friedman, had, um, she and I talked quite extensively about this topic in Wuhan and what was happening. And of course, Ilana is an intelligence analyst and follows all of this very closely. She talked about it uh, on her show, actually. She was doing a program then, and she was talking about it in her writings here. And, and she and I had a lot of conversation about this, what was happening. And at the time, it, it was almost like we were like, uh, uh, well, we were like two screwballs, actually, that had uh, right now, well, everything we said is true. But back then they were looking at us or talking about us like, what, what are you all talking about? I had a lot of evidence, a lot of information come into me here, uh, into the network here, actually. And we did a lot of digging on this story, uh, for sure. So we'll start with Ilana Friedman. Again, Ilana's a veteran intelligence analyst, advisor in intelligence-led counterterrorism solutions. She trained in Israel. She lived and worked there for 16 years. She's the author of many, many articles and books on uh, America, the West, and books on Islamic terrorism as well, and, and certainly uh, and follows the China story very closely here for us at America Out Loud. Uh, so Ilana, back then, and we're talking here now uh, this was, well, this was as early as January. This was actually early to mid-January when we were just getting the feeling of this thing and things were getting really weirder here in the Republic. And they were starting to talk about potential lockdowns. Hadn't happened yet, but all that was being touched on and this virus was coming across the seas. And, and then we were talking about, as I remember, the crematoriums burning overtime there as they were burning the bodies and the smell. We, I remember talking about the smell in, in, I think it was Yubei province, Ilana. Take us from there forward, what was happening in Yubei province and what, what you kind of were seeing early on in January, February, and how we knew what we knew then that evidently the media oligarchs are just discovering now, a year and a half later. Isn't it interesting that they're just discovering it now when we knew it almost a year and a half ago and we talked about it. Uh, what was happening in Wuhan particularly, that was, that was ground zero uh, because this is where the Wuhan laboratory is. And it, the virus actually escaped probably in late November or early December. Um, and when it got out, people started coming to the hospital with a strange virus. And there was a doctor there who was alarmed by it and he, communicated to his fellow doctors that this was something that they needed to be very careful about. Uh, they were called in by the police and they were warned not to do this anymore. And this first doctor that I'm talking about, Dr. Lee, he died from the COVID. We were getting videos of people walking down the street and suddenly just falling down dead. Um, and I have photographs still of, of people uh, lying on the street where they fell. Yeah, I remember that. Uh, it, it was it was horrifying. And then you, you saw pictures of 
the hospital corridors, which were jammed with people looking for medical uh, relief, some kind of treatment. So that, that, was the, that was the first indication that this was something very, very not normal. And then it, it, it got worse because when the um, government, when the CCP decided that they were going to do something about it, because they were losing control. And, and uh, by the way, I didn't know this beforehand, but Wuhan is a big industrial hub for China, for central China. And the fact that it was this city that was so badly affected uh, was a serious, um, could have a serious impact on uh, the Chinese economy. So eventually what they did was they forced people to stay in their homes uh, they locked them in their homes in some cases. They set up um, emergency hospitals, you know, the, these um, field hospitals with a thousand beds, and there were many of them. And um, there was just cot after cot after cot. And uh, they closed the borders of uh, the city of Wuhan and, of the, and then of the Hubei province. And they wouldn't let anybody in or out. However, before they did this, they were coming up to the Chinese Lunar New Year. They, uh, Wuhan is a city of uh, some 11 million, or was a city of some 11 million people. Yeah. They allowed 5 million people out of the city, this infected city where everybody was facing serious illness or death from this virus. And they let 5 million people out to travel internationally mm -hmm. to spread this virus around the world. And there are, my intelligence sources um, are very clear about the fact that they think that this was intentional. Right, right. So what, what we, you, were, you were mentioning the crematoria. How do we know the numbers? The numbers that, that the Chinese government gave us were very relatively low. Chinese. China is a country with a population of 1.4 billion people. And Wuhan was a city of 11 million people. And yet they were saying that only, you know, a, a few thousand people had died from this. But here's, here's the, the reality was that by February, the crematoria, and there are, I think there were 48 crematoria and 80, 84 furnaces in Wuhan that were working 24 seven for weeks on end. And they were processing instead of uh, the, the, the usual number, which was just a handful of people of bodies a day, they were processing up to 300 bodies a day. It just went nonstop. And when urns were ordered uh, for, for the ashes of the people who were cremated, they came 5,000 at a time. So we're, we're talking about numbers that, that come from China that make no sense. Uh, my sources estimate that something like 50 million people may have died in wow. China from wow. this virus. Yeah. And one of the indicators is that, you know, in China, everybody has a cell phone. It's like a credit card. It's like a, uh, it, it's a, when you get on the bus, you show, you use your cell, your cell phone to pay for it. When you go to the movies, you use your cell phone. When you do anything in China, it's how they track you. And so 
and they keep track of what you spend and where you go and so forth. So when the cell phones go offline, uh, the first indication that I had was about six months ago, and I heard that 26 million cell phones went offline. I, I heard more recently that closer to 50 million have gone offline. So that would be an indication of how many people have died. Yeah, that, that's a hell of an indication right there. And, you know, the fact that I like the way you referenced the cell phone as sort of a data point. And a lot of the same with us here in America. I mean, my golly, we got to have everybody's on a cell phone. Everybody's got a cell phone in some capacity. So it is kind of the new world order of how we all stay connected at every moment of the day, very clearly. Uh, stay right there, Ilana. Thanks for that setup there on, on that. And, and to mention to folks as well on what Ilana is talking about here, you got to remember, remember now, we're talking a city, as she said, around 11 million people. That's incredible. I mean, that, that's one hell of a size city. But again, when you get 1.4 billion people, you got to stick them somewhere, right? Uh, I mean, and so that just tells you a lot of their cities are sort of... Uh, gargantuan like that. But you're dealing with an area here in Wuhan, this level four uh, virology lab is very unique and was the only one doing this sort of work in the world uh, because it, it was kind of pulled, it was pushed out here in America. And then it gets complicated because then we've got Fauci with the money and the NIH and the American money going over there for this gain of function business. And, you know, then you ask the question, well, why would we invest in that in China? And then when they say, well, in, in, like Alana was just saying moments ago, well, you know, it escaped from the lab. And, and when people say that, there's something in me that knows that this didn't escape from the lab. This did, the virus didn't get up and jump off the table one day and escape from the lab. I, I never bought that then, and I certainly don't buy it now. And when she says, well, my, and my resources tell me this was intentional. Listen, I did some blockbuster programming on this topic. But, you know, there's an underlying thing about this I want to talk about in a moment as well, beyond all the lies. I, and, you know, as the political operatives run around right now, don't you always get, you know, just sick over your stomach on these people when all of a sudden, they, well, we don't really know. Now, you, you know, they're hardly ever telling you the truth. You know, most always they know the, the political machine in Washington. They know a hell of a lot. In fact, a lot of them uh, have uh, access to a lot of this information we don't have access to. You know, we find it in other ways. Uh, and they keep a lot of that information away from us. These are the clowns we elect uh, to high office, of course, right? And that's part of the game that's played. So we really never know a lot of these things. Um, that I wish a lot of that stuff was shared with the American people in, in an open society, which really is the intention here. Although some people would say, well, it's probably better we don't know. They keep it from us for our own good. <laughs> you believe that one? I'll sell you a couple of bridges along with that, okay? I mean, th then we're trusting people who don't always have our best intentions here, for sure, or they have uh, other means to their end goals that they're looking at here. What really is the underlying point of some of this here, when we talk about was it intentional, was it intentional? And then you say, well, if it was intentional, China's going to have to pay a price. You hear that a lot, too, from people like, OK, so what kind of a price does that mean? What do we do, bomb Beijing or something? I mean, come on, who the hell are we kidding? Oh, we're going to sanction them. Yeah, do they really care? You see, here's is that these people are, are not going, they're ne they will never learn from anything. There's no slap on the hand that it's going to get China, uh, the uh, the ideology behind the, the Chinese Communist Party, and the no nor uh, any more than the ideology behind radical Islam. 
uh, how do you think we're going to change another one of those? We're not. And that's where evil is. E evil. See, th that's what we're dealing with. I think this is what I'm trying to say. That's the evil we're dealing with here. This is not a, it's not a quick fix. I mean, we're, we're dealing with a moment of truth for, for humankind, for humanity. That's what we're dealing with here. I mean, you can't sugarcoat this stuff, people. So when I talk to you about the fight of good and evil, it's not just some sort of a casual talking point, you see? I mean, we're on the front lines of that fight of good and evil here. And we're at a very, very um, uh, crucial moment of, of, I believe, of our existence. What started with just as a historical moment of time has come on to a uh, every week and moment of our existence and what happens next. And again, but a lot of this is so out there right now that we're not always paying attention or we turn the dial off or we think it doesn't matter. Someday, I'm afraid, and I don't know what generation that happens in, but we're going to be paying attention, people. I even said years ago to you all, when you hear the boots coming down the boulevard in your neighborhood, surely you'll get woke real fast and wake the hell up and do something about it. Until such time, you'll just keep going to sleep, right? And of course, that's for the people who are purely ignorant that it doesn't matter. They don't get involved in politics. Well, you can say that, but as we all learned as young people, you can either get involved in politics or surely it will get involved in you because that's the nature of the beast here, people. That's what we're dealing with, really. So when you look at the intentional aspect of this or not from China, right? And you think of Donald Trump in the White House and people say, well, I, I don't know if I want to go there. Well, let me tell you what, I'm going to go there. This was absolutely intentional. I'll say that. Uh, every piece of evidence I have says exactly that. And, and furthermore, uh, when, when you look at, you know, what else were they going to do back in November 2019? Remember that moment when, you know, we didn't really, we never heard. It. In fact, I was starting to hear some of the origins about a strange virus in China. So what, 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 how does that impact us? Well, it's a strange coronavirus. Now, we heard the term before, but we didn't know how this was going to impact our lives. But we were starting to hear that back in very, very early signs now, if you were really, you have to, you had to really pay attention though, about November, 2019. And the early signs of that were coming out and we knew there was a problem, you see? And, and that was it. So, you know, if you are really trying to change the trajectory of where the, where the world was headed, uh, certainly the success of America, and you see the success that Trump was having. Now, I know this becomes very partisan political then, because then the left would say, well, but he wasn't successful. We weren't happy with him. We didn't like his Twitter feed, Malcolm. Knock it off. We didn't like his tone, and we don't like his personality. But, you know, Trump had, you know, a, a testicles the size of Montana, as we would say. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And so he went up against this whole establishment. He went up against the whole deal here, rocking the boat, rocking the canoe, irritating people, getting underneath. And he did that some days where I would say to myself back here in the studio, I would say, ah. Please tone it down, Trump. What are you doing? I used to have this conversation. Some of our experts on the platform here know what I'm talking about. They know damn well what I'm talking So I used to tell some of our people, even off mic, I'd say, yeah, he's stepping into it, though. He's stepping into a pile of you know what. And they say, nah, let Trump be Trump. Well, you let Trump be Trump, and they're going to tear him a new one. They're going to take his head off. They say, nah, nah, let Trump be Trump. And they even wrote the book about that, remember? 
So, yeah, but he's really pissing them off. These are like a fly in the ointment. You kind of got to be careful how much you rub their face in it. No, let Trump be Trump. It's all good. What about that feed? No, it's okay. He's just informing everybody. We all love the feed. Yeah. But, you know, the problem is we have our own dragon back home here. It's called the Marxist left who've now infiltrated this uh, JFK's party. You, you, you got that news bulletin there? Yeah. And so that, that dragon has awoken as well. And, and that's what we're dealing with now. You see, so, you know, those people weren't happy with Trump for sure. And, and not that we ever wanted them to be happy, but sometimes you've got to be careful, people, how we get the job done. Listen, I, I fully support the agenda of America first and um, our beautiful nation and what we're all about. And I think Donald Trump was tremendous on policy and did some incredible things for our nation. Believe me, you, I, I understand fully as a conservative, as a constitutionalist, as an American patriot, I get it. But we want to be careful how how you know how loud and how much we pee in their soup, you see? Because at some point they're gonna wake up and notice and they're not gonna be happy with us. And I think that was where the, the friction was with Donald Trump and company. And then they pull out all the stops. So China pulled out all the stops and the Marxist left pulled out all the stops. And I think you could say they coordinated between the handy dandy virus and the election fraud and the impeachment and the razzle dazzle. It was like a Broadway play. It was a new version of Hamilton. Ding, 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 ding. You know, really, what? right? That what it was? The, a new version, like, you know, sink the Trump. It's like a carnival. You keep throwing the ball at the thing and see if you can sink Trump in the carnival in that murky, crappy water there that's been there for days. So surely there's some viruses flowing around in that, that shitty water at the carnival, right? You can just see them throwing the ball in the carnival. Let's sink Trump. Yeah, bing and a bing and hit, hit. It kept trying to hit, it kept missing. Trump was up there. He never stopped. He was moving around the target and, you know, and then finally they went in and they did a, a full slam dunk people. They used the virus and the election fraud, stole the whole thing. It's like being, again, just look at it this way, people, sincerely. It's like being at the carnival. You keep missing the little, the little stooge there, the little lever that drops your ass in the water. You know what I'm talking about, right? You throw the ball and bing, you're in the water at the carnival, right? You get that sticky cotton candy all over your hands and you're throwing the ball and you keep hitting it, you're missing it, missing it. Finally, they go up to the carnival, they sink the whole damn thing. They don't even play around anymore. Sink the whole thing and sink him. That's probably kind of what happened here. I don't know. But it seems like the lights went out and it wasn't Georgia people. It was for the United States. And, and I, a lot of people were in my ear. Well, we'll never be the same if we lose this election. It's lights off. Forget about it. We're done. And it's amazing the resiliency of the American people, however. Are we ever really done? I don't freaking think so, people. I don't think so. Patriots are never done. They put their life on the line on a regular basis before breakfast on Monday morning, in fact. Now, the cowards in the woke crowd, that's a different story. These are the pansies that are pulling us down and creating a lot of hardships in our country. Listen, I'm, I'm saying it like it is. We'll see you on the other side on The Voice of a Nation. Our global experts are brilliant writers and engaging hosts on a mission of a lifetime. You'll find the latest news and inspiration on the front page of AmericaOutloud.com. In 2008, the amount of concentrated time people could spend on a task without becoming distracted was 12 seconds. 
Five years later, it was only eight seconds, one second less than a goldfish. If you find yourself always distracted or having trouble recalling information, you're likely to fall behind in the demanding, fast-paced 21st century. In other words, brain performance is more critical now than ever. Boost your brain power with Healthy Cells Focus Plus Recall. Science-backed nootropics to sharpen focus, concentrate longer, enhance recall, improve mental speed, learn rapidly, and be more alert. It's a pill-free brain supplement made with maximum absorption technology, designed to feed our brains at the cellular level. Take it for a test drive. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 20% off your first order of Focus Plus Recall. That's HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD for 20% off. The America Out Loud family is comprised of patriots in the true sense of the word. We know that if America fails, the world will fail. It is incumbent upon us to carry the torch for liberty and the Constitution to help save America for future generations to come. AmericaOutloud.com It's a fight for the soul of humanity. Listen to Malcolm, the voice of a nation, on iHeartRadio or our free apps on Apple, Android, or Alexa. We join you back here on the Voice of a Nation. Here is Malcolm Out Loud. We're talking bread, dragon, China, viruses, pandemics, carnivals, sticky cotton candy, and anything else that comes to your mind. How's that? Uh, we're also talking about uh, the... Uh, the execution of the American Republic, I, I think, in more ways here. What is the dragon actually up to? Part of the problem is the dragon here back at home, which is the Marxist left who infiltrated JFK's party, and the dragon across the seas in red China, are sort of hobnobbing it together, you see? Call them the Bopsy twins, okay? And they put themselves off back here as the Democrat party, and there's nothing Democrat party about these people. I mean, they are full out radical if they've ever been. Just look at their policies and their plans and their programs, you see. I want to get right now, but let me bring a gentleman on. And then I want to get right to the point of Trump because I feel a full wholeheartedly. I mean, I, I feel wholeheartedly that the only way to get Trump out there out of office was to create something extreme, something the world had never dealt with before, something that was so over the top not just an economic collapse, because the economy always runs elections, right? 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 Well, but Trump's economy back then in 2019 was killing it. I mean, economic numbers were killing it. And putting dollars back in Americans' people were killing it. And jobs for all kinds of groups in every kind of facet of America was killing it. So that ain't going to work. Can't use the economy this election, Fred. What are we going to use? Right? What are we going to use? I mean, the economy is pivotal. You, you win elections or you lose elections on the economy, people. So what else do you use? His Twitter feed? We don't like him. We don't like his personality, but his policies are really effective. Yeah, but we don't like him. Okay. <laughs> Can we just remove him and keep the policies potentially? <laughs> that didn't work so well either, did it now? Huh? And, and, but all this is happening and, you know, it's like, wow. I mean, it's... 
I just think of that moment. And then I think of people say, well, do you think this was intentional? Nah, nah, this was never intentional. It was an accident. It was escape from the lab. Freaking virus jumped off the shelf and ran down the boulevard. It was a total accident. Never meant. Chinese are so friendly and courteous. They never meant to do this to America or the world. Absolutely not. Let me bring on now Wallace Garneau here before I just keep going on and, and, and lose it here. Uh, so Wallace is a business extraordinaire, 23 years in e-commerce and um, director of business systems for a wide variety of manufacturing companies. He has a book himself out, The Way Forward, Lean Leadership and Systems Thinking for large and small businesses. And again, you can almost use that title in every aspect of politics and life because all of this stuff, uh, Wallace, is, is just like peeling an onion. That's the way I see it, peeling an onion. Uh, and hopefully you don't get sick over it. But anyways, so listen, I, I, I don't hide the way I think here. Listeners know that about my thinking here. It is what it is. I've been known to step in a pile or two myself from time to time. But the point is here, I'm pretty convinced Every, all, every piece of this was intentional. And getting Trump out of office wasn't, you know, some ec economic demise wasn't going to be the case back in late 2019 as election year was coming up. So I think at that point, Wallace, I think the handy dandy virus was the way to do it. Partner with China. Let's create a lockdown pandemic. Send everybody to a frenzy. Create as much fear as we can do. And then we'll sink Trump because certainly a couple of impeachments didn't work. Uh, the Russia, the prostitutes peeing on them in hotels in Moscow didn't work. Uh, Christopher Steele and that, that dossier didn't work. Uh, none of that worked and the economy. So what are we going to do? I mean, Wallace, do you, is, I mean, do you see it any other way? No, of course not. COVID-19 did work. Now, with COVID-19, we threw our economy into a friend of mine on Facebook, actually phrased it as the great suppression, not a great depression, uh, not a great recession, but a great suppression. Because what we did is because with, with the virus out there, people getting sick, our governors shut down our economy. So it, we didn't go, the economy didn't go through a natural period of contraction. It was literally shut down by our government. And, and you know, that threw our, our, our economy into a tailspin. Uh, it gave governors and secretaries of states at the state level, and in some cases, judges at the state level, an opportunity to make blanket changes to election laws in ways that were designed to help one party specifically. Uh, Time Magazine actually ran an expose on this in which they championed the cause of the people who actually gave the names of the people who were responsible for this. It was, of course, big tech, the media, and what have you. Uh, everything that they did other than election fraud, which was not included in that article, in order to, as they put it, fortify the American democracy against the American people. So absolutely, no COVID-19, Trump is still our president. I believe that 110%. I believe Trump believes it too, and I think probably all of your listeners, we all know, people vote with their pocketbook in a healthy economy, Trump is still president. Well, boy, that's putting it out there, man. And I, and I think about all listeners probably know you're right on, and they're standing up and agreeing with you, Wallace, because it appears, and you know, there's we're I'm starting to hear a lot more. I, I don't know, we'll see. I, you know, it's so hard to measure with the selection fraud business, Wallace, what's really going to happen. You know, uh, you're hearing all kinds of reports, there's more and more that's going to come out. Of course, we're, Arizona's on the front of this thing, and Georgia. And of course, if Arizona and Georgia start to show a certain way, that's going to explode the whole thing forward. You know, a lot of people said to me it would be a constitutional crisis if we ever get to that point. Of course, I think it's a constitutional crisis that we're living with a phony uh, president and we're living under all of this, the, the guise of uh, supposed to be a free republic. I think that's also a constitutional crisis. So I welcome the other constitutional crisis. Does that make sense? 
Of course it does. We want to make sure that you know, the real constitutional crisis is the living document interpretation of the Constitution. Democrats don't believe in interpreting the Constitution based on what it says, but based upon what they think it should say at any given point in time. And when you start interpreting a document like the Constitution based upon something other than what it says, you effectively have no Constitution. So what they've done is they've created a system in which and they're trying now to, to really fortify that, that system and make it permanent. They've created a system in which what we have is, is kind of English common law, where you have uh, the, the court system, Supreme Court down, that tell you what the law is, and they do that independently of anything like a constitution. And that, that, that is exactly how, how the left looks at it. When you interpret the constitution based on what it actually says, people on the left with, with, uh, with Supreme Court justices that are conservative have been put in over the years. The people on the left actually make the statement that those people are a danger to the constitution because they will interpret it based on what it says rather than based on what the left thinks it should say. Yeah, that's a real argument. Uh, is the Constitution a live and breathing document or is it a, a steadfast uh, a directional map for the salvation of our republic uh, that the founders were brilliant enough to develop? Uh, you know, could be a couple little caveats there, but surely uh, that's the argument that's being had. And then, of course, back on the Supreme Court becomes right on the side of this whole argument here that Wallace is talking about here. Let me turn our attention now. I want to talk about the power of numbers with both Wallace Garneau and Alana Friedman here, actually here. And um, so, uh, all right. China has, as we said earlier, it, it's really about 1.4 billion people. I mean, you look up the official numbers, I think it's 1.398 something, but other reports actually say they probably are already over 1.4 billion, who knows? So like when Alana referenced earlier, well, they kill 50 million people, that just doesn't matter to them, people. They have enough people to go around. They don't, there's no value to human life. The sanctity of human life just doesn't exist there, just as it doesn't in uh, radical I Islam either. They, they don't care. It's expendable, you know, to get your accomplish your goal. We value life here. We've, we value each life in a very sacred way. That's a different philosophy here. I mean, that that's huge what I'm saying right there. Huge. OK. Or as Trump would say, huge. Right. So. So they've got a market, uh, Wallace, about four times as big of a media market as the United States. There's a lot of people. That's a lot of mouths to feed. That's a lot of people to buy phones, which is why companies like Apple and Samsung have been up the backside and all around there, because uh, that's big, big money here. And let's face it, Wallace, you can do a lot with money if you got money. I mean, if you're not worried about, uh, you know, where you end up. Uh, if it's he heaven or hell, I mean, if money is your goal here, but by golly, China is ripe for the picking here. And, and all these corporate, all these corporate entities know that. I want to talk about the power of numbers in the media. You have a, a, a brilliant piece. Uh, it, we'll talk about all of, we have a lot of articles on this, a lot of uh, really terrific writings on this topic. And um, Wallace, as you'll find right up top of AmericaOutloud.com today, as you hear this program on talk radio, uh, The War of the Red Dragon. And he puts out some really good stuff in that article. It's a very compelling read. And But I want to talk specifically about the media. And you talk about China using our media as their attack dog. And let's ju jump into that a little bit, because this, this kind of plays with Time Warner. You use as an example Time Warner, which really, this should get everybody ripping pissed, what Wallace is going to tell you now. Set the tone for that. Then I want Alana to opine on what you're, what you're going to put out there, please. Absolutely. Let me take you back just a little bit down memory lane back to the summer of 2019. 
Uh, most people don't know who Daryl Morey is, but Daryl Morey back then was the, he's been fired since, but at the time he was the general manager for the Houston Rockets. And during a basketball game, I believe he was actually sitting at the game, watching the game. He tweeted, stand with Hong Kong. And uh, the reason that we know that this happened, by the way, is because uh, what, what I'm about to tell you, China overlooked sports media. For whatever reason, they didn't think that, that, that controlling sports media was all that important. So ESPN broke this story. This mistake China won't make again. I'm sure now they also have control over ESPN. But anyway, so uh, Daryl Morey tweets, uh, tweets stand with Hong Kong and the Chinese government, the CCP, just went bananas. And it turns out, and again, this is an ESPN, it turns out the reason they went bananas is because the NBA had just inked a deal with the Chinese Communist Party in which the Chinese Communist Party was going to open up China completely to the NBA. They could sell merchandise in China. All of the games would be televised all over China. They could play games in China, make big stars out of everybody in front of the 1.3 or 1.4 billion Chinese. And it would be a great giant, giant deal for the NBA, huge win for the NBA. You know, the China market is about four times the size of our market. It turns out that the, the, the NBA is very popular there. So huge deal for the NBA. The flip side was that the Communist Party of China wanted the NBA to censor the people who worked for the NBA. So if you're a player on a team, a general manager, as Daryl Morey was in a team, president of operations, any kind of a, if any affiliate directly related to the NBA. So the NBA itself, affiliated teams, et cetera, they wanted them censored. So the NBA signed this uh, for the players like LeBron James, who of course can't say anything negative about China. Uh, it's, it's a condition of employment. They have to obey the censorship or they'll lose their jobs. And, and so that hit ESPN. People, start, people looked at that and said, oh, isn't that interesting? Well, it turns out that Time Warner also has a deal with a company called China Media Capital, which is a fully owned subsidiary of the Chinese Communist Party that gives Time Warner access to the Chinese media market, which again is four times the size of our media market. Now, Time Warner is not really an American company. It's an international corporation. It owns businesses like CNN, but it itself is an act actually an international or a company. And China gave them of the same kind of a sweetheart deal. We'll let you make content for the Chinese market. We'll let you put the content that you create for the American market in China. Only caveat is we want to censor your content. And not only the content you show in China, we want to censor the content that you have in the American market as well. And it's not just Time Warner. All of our major media houses have contracts with China in which China, they have agreed voluntarily to allow China to censor their content in, a, in, in return for having access to the Chinese media market. So our media, our, our mainstream media, everything we hear is vetted by the Chinese Communist Party. And as a consequence, our access to information is. That's one of the big reasons why the media was so anti-Trump. They wanted Hillary Clinton to commit and finish off the agenda of, 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 of taking Saul Alinsky's rules for radicals. And instead of applying it from outside of government to control the government, you apply it again from within the government to turn our own institutions against each other. Now, this all ties in together. And, uh, and, and so what the Chinese Communist Party did, they were losing a trade war with Donald Trump. They never wanted Donald Trump be president in the first place. And so they spun all this around and, and, and all of a sudden COVID-19, media's against Donald Trump, Fauci's against Donald Trump, and Fauci incidentally signed off on, on funding uh, for gain-of-function research on COVID-19. This is all tied together. China thinks long term. They've been they've been thinking about these kinds of things for a long time, and and so having control over our media that's just one big part of it. Where they're what they're doing is they're using our own media as a mouthpiece against us. It's gotten so bad that China doesn't even bother making anti-American propaganda anymore. They just go to CNN and use our stuff against us. We yeah. write the propaganda. 
when you say the media there, let, let's, uh, let me understand something here. I mean, I get the reference to Time Warner. You spelled that out pretty well, and we knew that, and I get that. Uh, but when you reference the rest of the media, I want to stop there a moment, because that's, that's a really big statement to make. makes a lot of sense, but that's a blanketed statement. And I want to understand, uh, and I, and w- well, first, your thought on this. How, how can, I mean, you, you, you obviously sound very convinced, but do we have proof, uh, Wallace? Do we have proof when we talk about these media outfits lining up with China in the way that you're expressing here? Can we, can we prove that? We can certainly prove it in the case of Time Warner. The uh, agreement they have with China right. Media Capital is a part of the public knowledge. But what about the other companies? Can we prove that? Or is it There's just a- abstract? It's abstract. There's a reason I'm not calling the other companies out by name, and that is because whatever contracts they may have with China are are not in the public domain. However, when we look at the way they're all in lockstep with one another, you see the exact same propaganda pieces on CNN, USA Today. It's it's all over the place. So when when you see the same propaganda on CNN and then you see it in other places as well, you know, there's what we know to be true which is like Time Warner has such an agreement. And then there's what you can logically infer to be true based upon what you know. So when you start seeing those pieces of propaganda showing up in other places, that tells you something. And the other thing, you know, when you talk about the media, we're a part of the media here. So I'm not talking about us, obviously, but the media is changing, which is why we still have an opportunity here. I'm talking about traditional media. So for example, news shows on television, traditional print outlets like newspapers, uh, USA Today, magazines, Time, you know, those kinds of things. Uh, I'm not talking about, I'm, I'm not talking about, you know, this program, America Out Loud or other programs like that, that are becoming a larger and larger part of the media voice. When I say the mainstream media, I'm really talking about more traditional pre-internet media sources and, and then the web presence of those sources. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Ilana, I want you to chime in on that. Stay right there, Wallace. Should be back with you here. But Ilana, uh, let's uh, pick up where, because this is really Very interesting what Wallace throws out there about the media, specifically Time Warner, but the media as a role. Because if you look at a lot of these stories, it would make perfect sense the alignment of in their approach, which to a lot of us, like you and I and most listeners would agree, it's very unpatriotic what a lot of these media oligarchs are doing. But yet, if they are aligned in the way with China and the way that he is suggesting, that's quite a statement. What do you think about that? Well, unfortunately, I think it's true. Uh, And there's a lot of evidence showing that the decisions that the major media and and the corporations behind them uh, are aligning themselves uh, in order to placate Chinese demands in order to get Chinese yuan or dollars um, into their bank accounts. I mean, this this is just hard business and they don't really care at all about the underlying crimes that are being committed, horrific crimes that are being committed by China. Um, But there is some good news in this and behind the scenes, behind the red curtain, because China is now facing some very serious problems that may actually bring this government down at some point. Um, And I can give you well, let's talk quickly. about that now. Uh, I mean, that well, that is, let, let's that penetrate. I want people to hear what you're saying, that you actually believe there are multiple things. And, and actually, let me tell folks right now, Ilana, that Ilana has a current article on this uh, where she dives into some of the things she's going to talk about now, uh, China's future in the balance. Uh, and it lays out some of that future direction of China that she's speaking about. Um, 
yeah, I, I think it would take an awful lot for any of these things to, 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 to bear fruit. And so I'm not as optimistic as you might tell listeners right now, but you actually think, or, or at least you sense some of the research you have, kind of say that these things could be at least real problems for the, for the CCP, huh? Yeah, I, and I, I, I do make forecasts in my work, but I'm not going to make one here because um, I, I, I can tell you what the, some of the problems are. Okay. Uh, where this is going is a question that really depends on how strong uh, Xi Jinping is, is going to be in order to overcome these issues. But let me tell you what a few of them are. Go ahead. There's a new strain of coronavirus that has shown up in India that has some very, it's, it's, it's strong, it's, it's very virulent, and it has some it, very alarming symptoms like, like blood clots and, and, and other things. And this was China's latest aggressive, uh, aggressive operation against India. We believe that this was created by China to infect India with a more virulent strain of the virus than what we have seen here. But in India, it is raging now. Yeah. The problem is that there, this latest weapon against India is now showing up in Southern China. It's biting the hand that was responsible for the virus in the first place. So people, it, it, is, it is spreading rapidly in Southern China. So that's the first thing. The second thing is that a number of years ago, the Chinese built a massive dam. It's called the Three Gorges Dam. It's the largest in the world. Is And it's now in danger of catastrophic failure because the construction process was corrupt. It was not built properly. And this year is seeing a record rainfall in the, the rainy season. If the dam fails, this will be a calamity that may kill 40 million people because of the floods that it's going to release. It, it is on, the dam is on the Yangtze River and this river goes all the way through Wuhan, by the way, and all the way out to Shanghai, which has a population of 26 million. So that's another thing. And that, here's another thing. Uh, here's a different problem. China's economy is teetering on the brink of failure mm. because they unleashed a, an initiative in 2009 in which the go Chinese government began printing money like crazy. And the one was rapidly devalued. Uh, people started investing in real estate because that was the only thing that held value. In fact, the price of real estate is going up in China. And, and so the whole economy is, is upside down. Um, another thing is that they are facing terrible famine. Um, last year they had, or maybe it was two years ago now, they had the problem with the uh, army worm uh, that devoured about a third of their crops. Uh, and this year they, and last year and this year, they're facing terrible floods. So there is a real chance of famine. And finally, there is new intelligence that suggests that the Chinese government is in a panic because of all of these other issues and, and more, and that they may even be on the verge of a coup. And that is where some of this might end up because it's not because of outside pressures. What China is doing in the world is horrendous. 
They are destroying natural resources and they are, they're raping countries that they, they uh, get a foothold in, but they are uh, being faced with a, a, a situation at home, which according to my sources are creating panic in the highest levels of the government. And if that's the case, it may be that there will be some kind of a coup that will end Xi's eight-year regime. Yeah. He wants to be ruler of the world, and that's what all this activity outside of China is about. But uh, there, is some, there are some real issues going on inside China that may be very destructive to the current uh, government. Excellent roundup there, Ilana Friedman. Um, uh, you know, y'all remember now there was the report not too long ago where Xi Jinping was going to be the, uh, uh, the the president there for life. Remember that life? Uh, and so what Ilana says is uh, very interesting. Uh, you know, it's hard to say with the CCP. Uh, sometimes when change happens in, in a regime like this, it happens suddenly, very suddenly, quickly, almost overnight. And it's it's instant and it's a big flash and then the guy is gone off this world stage. If you look historically at these things, that's what happens. And then there's a new character emerges. Problem is typically the new character that emerges is oftentimes worse than the one that just left. <laughs> they seem to, you know, propagate, they seem to uh, develop these uh, cast of characters out there. Uh, but when you rule with an iron thumb, as I started this broadcast off today, in their lack of any sort of humanity and human rights whatsoever, but it's the direct opposite of that. They use people at will to get what they want. So like when Alana says, well, 40 million people would be killed with that dam if that thing, could, you know, well, I don't think they would give a rat's ass. I think they would brush themselves off in the morning for breakfast and move on. What the hell? They, if they kill 50 with coronavirus in there, 40 million here, just less people they got to feed. I don't think they really care. Uh, 40 here, 50 there. When you got 1.4 billion, you know, you, you become, it becomes a, a surplus, you know, it's a, it becomes a commodity. The people there, it's probably a way to look at it. The people there are like a commodity. I mean, whatever, you got so damn many of them, it really doesn't matter. Whatever the next point is that comes, that there's no value of human life there, people. So why do they care? I mean, I, you know, I say it like it's a nonchalant, but yeah, it's a serious thing. I mean, but depends, again, it's not like China is a Christian nation, so it's not like they're going to worry what God thinks, you understand? <laughs> I mean, this is the direct opposite. This would be Satan's playpen uh, for the, the force of evil in the world that we're speaking about right now. And then you, you sort of step back and you sort of now you begin to take a look at the world people. And it's, it's remarkable, really and truly. I mean, as you look at this all right now and you see the force of evil, which is, you know, 101 China right now, but then radical Islam as well. And each one takes its place on the world stage in maneuvers. Now, what if the two of them ever got together? Now, at one point, the Chinese don't, they have no love for radical Islam either. They hate each other. So the two of those would be like, that would be like a cockfight. You know what I'm saying? They'd tear each other up, you see, is what would happen there. Or a dragon fight, we call it, or whatever. But, you know, that's what, that's really what would take place. Uh, hard to say what because, but eventually, I think I've talked to people, uh, many experts who believe that's what it will end up with is a fight with radical Islam and China, who will be the ultimate fight. Now, of course, that depends where America is at that point in the whole fight. I mean, and our, what do we say, our steady hand around the globe, it's supposed to be, right? But the problem is we're so broke here at home. We're not woke, we're broke. 
you see? So we're broke, you know? We're broke, people. And that really is the problem we're, we're dealing with right now. It was always going to happen from within. And, they, and they're sitting back there laughing like hell. The Chinese are, just as well as the Russians are, uh, the, the, the Islamists are, and uh, probably the people on Mars, Venus, and Pluto are as well. They're all laughing like hell it is, you know? We're the experiment, God's experiment, the American experiment, right? The, the humankind experiment. Oh, oh, those people who value life, <laughs> that experiment. And yet the forces of evil have penetrated our republic as well. And that's where we sit right now in this very, very precarious place. It's very strange what's happening right now. We all can feel it. We know what we're talking about here, don't we now? You know, there, we, there are no theories here, people. We don't need to play in theories. There's enough garbage to go around to deal with real life evidence here. We don't, we don't, no need for theories here. I mean, please, come on. I mean, you know, if we ever need theories to excite you, I'll let you know. And that would be a whole new world order at that point for us, wouldn't it now? But no, just enough data. Now, of course, the Marxist left, they, they call us out all the time. In fact, I, I put a post out. To, oh, I, we, we had the Senator Ron Johnson on Viewpoint. And my God, the hate that came out for that senator was remarkable to me. Remarkable. But that was the Marxist left. They call him every name in the book. But that's what they do. And then they... They equally called America out loud. They looked at media groups who were calling us a far right or a fringe group. Well, yeah, I mean, sure. If you love the Constitution, you're a patriot, you stand for the flag, you'd be far right in this environment. Hell yeah. I mean, don't you think? And that's what they're calling, like, they're already starting to paint and taint uh, our brush. And they say, well, that, that America out loud, yeah. And various political media groups now, that's how they have us labeled. I say, shut the hell up. You people don't know what you're talking about. You know, why, why do you call that? Because why? Oh, I see. <laughs> yeah, we're going to keep doing it as well. You know, they don't like whatever the out loud truth is. I mean, that's the thing. And, the, and they paint you these pictures to demoralize and, and, and bang you up so that you're not believable anymore. See, this is what they tried. This was the Trump plan. This is what they tried to do to Trump all that time. Bang them up enough that, you know, the American people, a good part of the American people who are not really awoke, uh, we'll go along with the theory because God knows the media never lies, do they now? As, as we all learned as kids, if it's in print, it must be true. Huh, it's a freaking joke. I mean, double, triple check your sources, people. It's all garbage out there for sure. It's hard to get any truth today, isn't it? Really? I mean, how do, where do we go for any truth? That's our goals, what we're trying to do here at America Out Loud, people. And so we are a force of patriots and experts like you hear here today with Wallace Garneau and Ilana Friedman. Amazing people, just people who passionately love this country, passionately love what's this constitution and our people and value human life and, and value this gift from God that we're all blessed to be part of. So listen, our role here is to put up the good fight. We're going to continue to do that an hour or two. A lot more happening in the year. I've asked Wallace to stay on with us. Ilana, got a couple of more folks joining into the conversation here. Uh, and uh, we'll, we'll talk about some of this uh, political right and government action and uh, continue to peel what the future is uh, for this China business. We'll join you on the other side of hour two just after this. Heart and soul of a nation beckons the call. The voice of our forefathers heard in the distance. A house divided against itself cannot stand. To reclaim our honor. honor, honor. 
our soul. The challenges of a generation call out. Future generations hang in the balance. We choose liberty. This is the voice of a nation. The nation. The nation. The nation. And now, Malcolm. Uh, we're talking the Red Dragon today. Everything China, and uh, it's it's in our face. You can't ignore this stuff uh, right now. So. Uh, today is a deep dive on everything China as we take a look at uh, who they are, what they are, what they're up to, uh, and what does the future hold for all of us here. But America's culture right now is is in, uh, I think, a heap of trouble. I mean, you could actually say, many would suggest it's crumbling in front of us. You have this woke business going on. You've got, you know, uh, we were talking up front about the NBA, what was happening there, our media oligarchs. But also, you know, just American corporations, corporations we used to think were at one time used to celebrate America. I'm even talking like Coke. You remember when you were a kid, you used to go to the five and dime store. Uh, if, if we're dating each other now for a moment here, you'd get that bottle of Coke. It was always in a glass uh, bottle. I love that. I don't drink soda today of any type, so it doesn't really matter to me anymore. But as a kid, you love that. Yeah, you get a sugar high, you know. Listen, we're joined back here on The Voice of a Nation, talking all things China today. And I want to bring on, we have uh, Wallace Garneau uh, with us still. Ilana Friedman is with us here. You know, Wallace, when you talk about 1.4 billion people, that's a hell of a lot of people. What do, what do you see? And I want you to expand a moment because you had mentioned over the pause there that uh, you had done some deep dive into some of the numbers there that Ilana had thrown up. Let's take it from the top there and talk about their economic state, will you? Yeah, what I did a couple of years ago in August of 2019, I took a look at where our economy was relative to China's. Our economy, of course, was doing very, very well. This was before COVID-19 or anything like that. So it was just kind of a normal, well-running economy in our end. And then China is somewhat secretive about theirs. So we take their numbers. We assume that hopefully they're accurate, but we really don't know what China's economy is doing. So I just wanted to look at it and say, you know, how strong could their economy be relative to ours? And both countries have what's called a fractional reserve lending system, which means that for every dollar that you put into your banking account, whether it's checking or savings or whatever, they don't then lend $1 out to somebody else. They'll write a large number of loans out to other people, uh, expanding out the money supply by lending more money than what they actually have. And in the United States, it's typically a little bit less than $1,000 in loans for every dollar the bank actually holds. And with that kind of a, of a banking system where you're multiplying the money supply by lending it out, the number of dollars that the bank actually has in assets compared to, to the amount of money they're loaning out is, is important. And so is the percentage of the dollars that they have in assets, of the actual assets that the bank holds onto relative to the ones that are not valuable. So, you know, you got kind of two dollar signs there. You've got what they have that actually has value, and then you have things that they own because if they wrote it off on paper, it would look bad, but it's not really worth anything. And in the United States, I'll go a little slowly with numbers, but in the United States, we've got 45, or excuse me, we have $19 trillion in assets in 1919, $19 trillion in assets, so a little less than the total size of our economy that the banks right. held on to in assets. About 10% of those were non-performing. So about 2 trillion of that 19 trillion were non-performing. Mm -hmm. Now, according to China's numbers, they're about half our size. Their economy is about half our size. So if we figure that our economy is chugging along when the banks are holding $19 trillion in assets, a little less than the full size of the economy, 
their banks should be holding on to about $8.5 trillion in assets. That would be with about 10% of those not performing, just like here. So that would be what you would call a, a relatively healthy running economy. In reality, China's banking system has a whopping $45 trillion in assets. And again, if we assume their economy is about half the size of ours, so they should have about half as many performing assets, that means that $36.5 trillion of those assets are probably worthless. Now, that would be the biggest impending banking collapse in world history. Now, isn't, are you, let's go on the merit. You're saying they're about half the size. And you've said that a couple of times now. I understood that they were much bigger than that. I, I, I mean, I've always understood about, in fact, there's always talk about they, they will overtake us at some point. And I've heard references to the fact that we're more like 70, 75% of our size. Can you speak about that? Yeah, there are multiple ways to measure the size of an economy. Uh, you can do it on straight up dollars, or you can do it on purchasing power parity. And when you start playing with purchasing power parity, you start getting to some murky waters about how big one economy is relative to another. Uh, their economy, based on their numbers, if we just go by the total size of the economy relative to the world's economy, it's about half the size of ours. Okay. Now, you also mentioned we are about 19 trillion, was it? $19 trillion in performing assets. Right, performing assets. And only 10% of that is, is negated, right? Only about 10% of that's worthless, yes. Okay, so that, that's, that seems to be pretty healthy, Wallace. What do you take from that? Oh, yeah, that's healthy. Absolutely. Yeah. Our banking system had, had we, we actually did a lot of work after 2008 to make sure that our banks had enough performing assets to be solvent. Yeah. And you know what else I'm thinking as you were talking about all those numbers? They're, they're fascinating to put out there because nobody looks at it like you just said it, actually. But I, I think immediately my mind, Wallace, goes to American exceptionalism because I always believe the, the, the great thing about our nation and innovation is the American people. That is where the spirit is. That is where the rubber meets the road. That is the exciting part of our country is the American people. It's a can-do attitude. And it's how it's actually how we've accomplished so many things. It's how we've invented many of the greatest innovations of the world has ever known. It's how we've won wars that we, sh we at times we had no business winning uh, that were thousands of miles away from home. Uh, things of that nature. There's something I just want to touch on that a moment, Wallace. There's something beautiful and amazing about the American spirit and American exceptionalism. Speak to that. Well, you kind of touched on it earlier and you talked about the differences between the American and Chinese cultures. In our country, we believe that the purpose of government, or at least our country was founded believing this, there are some Americans today that would disagree, uh, but our country was founded on the idea that the purpose of government is to protect and expand the freedom and liberty of the people. So it's all based on individualism, individual rights. Everybody is free to pursue their own happiness however they see fit, as long as they don't infringe upon the rights of others. And it, it's all based on the individual. China looks at it in a very, very different light. China doesn't look at the greatness of the country based on the greatness of the individual. They look at the greatness of the individual based upon the greatness of the country. So the people exist to make the country country great. And it is the greatness of China, not the greatness of the Chinese people that is important to them. That's why they push the number of purchasing power parity, by the way, because they want their economy to be bigger than ours, even though it isn't. So, you know, they use whatever numbers look good. They believe in the, in the, in the, in the greatness of China and they're willing to sacrifice their own people to get that, which is yeah. something, you know, we obviously lose servicemen and believe we've lost about 2 million servicemen to war in the, in the totality of our, of our existence. Uh, China, like you said, with 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 uh, the, with COVID nineteen, they lose that in just a couple of months. Yeah, or, or, or like Alana was talking earlier, whether a dam breaks or not, 
I don't think they really care. I don't think they lose sleep over anything. Uh, when you Again, when you look at people as a commodity, that it really doesn't matter. It doesn't matter, does it? Well, they'd be far more concerned, I think, if that dam breaks with the loss of face and having the dam break. And the number that's of right. people dead that's is right. a part of that. But you're right. The individual people, uh, that's neither here nor there to the Chinese. Yeah. It is the greatness of the country. Yeah. That matters to them. See, that is a, it's, it's so important people to hear what we're saying right now. And Wallace puts it out there perfectly because do you see the philosophical difference we're speaking about and the way we operate people. I mean, this is huge. It is significant. That's why we put the, uh, the levers of importance in different areas than the way the Chinese do. They have no value for anything other than what we say. You know, I got one caveat. I was thinking, Wallace, a moment ago, we talked about that damn dam. The only beautiful thing about that damn dam, if it did break, is if it flooded out the CCP. I don't know where the, but the dam isn't near where they are. I am sure of that. Uh, the three quarters dam. But you see the way my mind operates all the time. I'm trying to think there's got to be a silver lining or a, some sort of a lining on that one. Uh, stay right there, Wallace. Be back with you here. Uh, Ilana, I want to bring you back on here a minute and pick up. Uh, I mean, I just got educated a little bit with what uh, Wallace was putting out there, uh, speaking about, again, the healthiness of our economy. And it, it puts a fresh perspective on, uh, again, American might and ingenuity. And I just think it's so important to remind all of us that because we all run around, Ilana, like the sky is falling, doom and gloom. It all sucks. We're all dying. I mean, I mean, come on. You know, that's all. And it's the media feed and all this fear. But, you know, there's something I just I love the American people. I love our country. I like I said, it's a, I, I'm the kind of character, cat, I, I'm the cat, Ilana, who walks into the room and, you know, the flag is there or the, the, the anthem is playing and I get goosebumps running through my entire body. And I'm happy to, to uh, you know, stop at the moment and just celebrate our, our beautiful existence here in this country. I'm a bit of a weirdo, ain't I? Not really. I agree with you completely. <laughs> and one of the things- Took I you long enough to answer that, by the way. <laughs> No, I, I didn't. I didn't hesitate. There's just a pause. But the uh, the free market economy is one of the things that I love. The fact that that there is free enterprise, that people can rise to the the height of their capability and their um, their ingenuity. I, I, I this is this is awesome. Uh, and I'm you know I'm I'm a patriot. I, I really love it. But I I do want to say something about your comments about what would happen if the dam broke and there were 40 million people killed because there is another issue here. Yeah. It's not just about lost lives. Right. It's also about lost um, economic power. Right. Right. You know, right. the thing about Shanghai is that it is the largest city in uh, China mm -hmm. by population. And it has the largest GDP of any Chinese city. It's an important, it's an essential economic, financial, trade, and shipping yeah. center in China. And so if that were to be destroyed by this flood, the, the impact on the Chinese economy would be enormous. 
Yeah, no, and I agree with you. And, uh, you, you know, as an intelligence analyst yourself, uh, Ilana, I always love you because you always correct whatever it is. You, you know, of course, you know, for me, keep in mind, I'm just being sarcastic at the moment. You understand about the dam. But no, no, I get it. Everything is uh, the, the economic. And also what Wallace said to you would agree, Ilana, uh, that the the face, saving face, the, the talking about the CCP now, the embarrassment of saving face would also be a big problem, wouldn't it? Right. It's a big problem for, for the Chinese. This is something yeah. that is so deeply ingrained in their culture right. that um, it's, it's very, very difficult for yeah. them to overcome. They yeah. need to save. There are two things that they have done mm -hmm. over the and, and saving face is one of them. It's been inbred in them. That's right. Since time immemorial. There's another thing that's very interesting that's also impacting the economy. Um, when uh, they they wanted to somehow curtail their population uh -huh. uh, for reasons I don't understand, even though it's it it was a it's a large population. It's also a very large country, uh, but but they tried to institute a program where families could have only one child, and it was a one child policy, and it was in place for quite a long time, and so part of Chinese culture is the um, love for the male child, the male offspring. Mm -hmm. And when little boys were born, they were, you know, they were celebrated. Little girls were born, not so much. Uh, but what happened with this policy is that people aborted girl babies and, and had boy babies, mm -hmm. which was fine, except that they reached a point where there were too many young men and not enough young women. Mm. So they began having other kinds of problems and their population uh, increase began to decrease. Mm. So then they went finally to, and they, they tried all kinds of other things, didn't work. Um, then they went to a two child per family and that, relieved the tension a little bit, but they just this past month uh, instituted a three-child policy. Is that right? That just so, happened this last month, Ilana. That's right. I'll be so, darned. Wow. So, you know, this is one of the things that has seriously yeah. impacted yeah. their economy. Right, Not right. just their social, you know, structure. And, and Alana, for me, and like I'm one of seven, uh, my siblings, I'm, I didn't have seven, uh, thankfully, uh, at all, but I'm one of seven uh, with siblings, and uh, uh, we would never exist in that environment, obviously. Uh, very interesting. But now you can have three. So you see, there the state is dictating to you uh, what the deal is and uh, what you can have or not have. Uh, interesting. You know what I'd like to see instituted back here at home, actually, and I and I say this, uh, it, you you might take it as a little bit of sarcasm, but it's not really. I'm being very genuine when I say it. Uh, I don't think the state should tell anybody about how many kids you have or anything else for that. In fact, I think my way of doing it is the government should stay the hell out of all of our lives on every level. Uh, and just do the simple things we can't even get them to do now, which is just to def defend the border and shut the hell up. We'll let you know when we need something else. Thank you. Uh, you know, really and truly, because, you know, we elect these people. They, they work for us. We the people. See, that's the thing, the beautiful thing about it, because it starts with we the people. It doesn't start with we the big government. It doesn't start there at all, people. Right. Come on. You know, 
And but with all that, one of the policies I'd like to see instituted is, and I would, and I would even accept this back here in America. But this, this should be evident worldwide. Yeah, I'd like to see demand an IQ test. Yeah, no, no, I'm serious. Just an IQ test. That way, dumb people stop having kids. I think would be a smart way to do it. Anyways, let me move the program along here. I want to bring on Mallory Millet next here, and let me introduce you to Mallory here. She joins the program. Uh, so. Uh, Mallory. Hi, Malcolm. Uh, hello there. Mallory is the uh, longstanding director of the David Horowitz Freedom Center. Uh, believe it or not, she was a, she calls herself a repentant lefty, a repentant lefty and an unrepentant conservative. Uh, she's all screwed up. Hi, Mallory. How are you doing? <laughs> Very well. Thank you. Very happy to be with all of you. <laughs> How many people are on this call? Uh, 150. No, no, no. Oh. Not, quite. <laughs> not quite. Not quite. All right. Let me ask you this here. Let me ask the questions and let me ask you this, please. Uh, tell okay. me, uh, give me some sense, Mallory. Uh, you, you wrote a, a very interesting piece, which I agreed to publish uh, because I, I, I felt your pain with it. You tried to get this piece published, but that's not what I want to talk to you about. I want to talk to you about the essence of the piece, not the fact that you tried to get it published about a year and a half ago. Nobody would publish it. Uh, but the piece is on America Out Loud. It's called The Absence of Truth Guarantees Failure. Uh, the China virus. and But but I, I don't want to talk so much about the virus this moment, because I know you we, we talked about that early in the program, but there was you predicted a lot of things and you, you knew early on. What I really want to talk about is the absence of truth, meaning that the, the, the Chinese, specifically the government, the CCP, we're, we're not talking specifically the, all the Chinese people, but I really want you to talk about the culture, bridge the talk, the, the conversation you were just hearing from, from Wallace and Ilana, talking about the culture, and there is an absence of truth in, in China. I mean, they are straight out. You, I mean, well, I guess the question I would ask you, are, are they straight out liars? And would you describe that culture for us, please? Well, uh, the, the Chinese um, have a way of uh, relating to other people that is so different from ours. In our country, uh, we have the Ten Commandments, and we know whether somebody is a liar or not. We can tell somebody our neighbor is a liar or that our other neighbor is a very honest person, and the person knows what we're talking about. But if you try to say a thing like that in China, they get this very quizzical look on their face because um, they don't have the Ten Commandments. The, the thing of it is they don't have a standard by which to measure honesty or not honesty. They, they, their, their way of dealing, it took me a very long time to figure this out, uh, but what a, a Chinese person is generally doing now, you're, we're going to be accused of racism and all sorts of things here, so we have to temper what we're talking about with, with the fact that we are not racist. Uh, but if you're, if I'm talking to a Chinese person generally, what they're saying to me is what they think I want to hear. Now, this is just disaster, not just because uh, that's not the truth, but first of all, they're almost always wrong about what you would want to hear. They're just guessing what you might want to hear, and they don't know you. Well, Mallory, isn't that why in a lot of those movies and a lot of the meetings, you would see the Chinese and they'd always shake their head yes, because they think you want to hear. And I remember that moment where you would be having this conversation and they would like be going along with it, almost like a sales <laughs> job. And you thought you had the sale and all of a sudden the floor fell out. You didn't have the sale at all. They just were going along with thinking what you thought you wanted to hear, but you never did get the check. Right, right, right. right. Absolutely right. 
And so it's so complicated because there you are sitting there listening to what they think you want to hear, which is not remotely what you want to hear. I, as an American, just want to hear the truth. I mean, if the house is on fire, I want to know the house is on fire so that I can get out. I don't want them reassuring me and telling me everything is fine while the room next door to me is is in blazes, you know. But this is the terror of living over there, over in Southeast Asia. I just lived in terror all the time because I absolutely had no idea what was really going on. How long did you um, live there for, Mallory? How long? Uh, f- four years. Four and years. I never came back to I never came back to America once, even for Christmas, for anything. I was just in Asia for four years. So you so you had a, a four years of a cultural uh, experiment or shock uh, to your system, more or less. And you really got a, a probably a good measure of how they live. Uh, what are the big takeaways? Let's let's educate people a moment. Having lived there on the ground for that, what's what are the big aha moments beside the fact they lie like hell? What else would you add to the list? <laughs> well, um, the thing is, uh, one of the things I wanted to just refer to for a moment, what Ilana was talking about, is that you know when they had this one one child policy. Uh, and they would only let the boys be born and they were murdering the little girls in the backyard and stuff and do having abortions if they knew it was a girl um, is that they've ended up with all these men. And so what do you have to do when you have this many millions and millions of more men than you have women? You may build an enormous army. And this is what we're up against. We're up against a country that has built this huge, huge, huge army. The Red Chinese Army is is enormous, and and they really kind of run the country. I mean, they and the Chinese Communist Party are the ones who have control over everybody's lives. Uh, but I, I found that the 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 the, the um, cowing of the people is a terrible thing to watch. Uh, the the way that people just bear their neck to the blade so submissively, so obediently. Uh, it, it's it's terrifying to watch this. In America, you know, we don't put up with that stuff. We we look a person right back in the fa- face and say, says who? You know, I'm not doing that. Don't you push me around. Don't you tell me what to do. And that's the wonderful thing about Americans is that we stand our ground. I mean, we always have. I'm very worried now because of this mask thing that happened. I watched that level of obedience happen in America that I have never seen in my whole mm-hmm. life. Yeah. And yeah. I think that they have done a, an experiment in socialism here that has succeeded. Yeah. I, I mean, people are so ridiculously stupid about this mask thing. I can't. Well, let's say this, Mallory, if that was a fire drill, uh, then, uh, boy, they uh, this mask thing we're talking about here, uh, then uh, we we failed that experiment very badly. And I I heard a lot of people saying that when this whole lockdown, it was it was a bit shocking how easily people went along with the gig uh, and it got silly. Uh, you know my position, my my friends. That I told plenty of. I've walked out of plenty of places. I would not, could not, uh, do a mask. I would not eat green eggs and ham. I will not do that mask. Said Sam. I am. And uh, you know how many times I did that. I mean, there was one night I had my two teenagers with me, and my golly, we went to four restaurants. I think on the fifth one. Uh, they finally let us in. I said, no, I'm not putting a mask on to entertain you, to walk, to look like a mummy, to walk to the freaking table. Uh, I'm the customer here. Well, our policy is, well, let me tell you what my policy is. Okay. All right. If you want to buy me dinner and you want to give me a glass of wine and shoot the shit, then I'll put on the freaking mask for you for two seconds and amuse you. Other than that, no, thank you. You're not doing your mask thing. So that's called the free market there, people. It works very, very nicely. 
You know, the more Americans we have that would push back on that, the better off we would be, especially when you're seeing the politicizing of this whole pandemic, which nothing was nothing more than a bunch of rubbish. Uh, but if there was a fire drill, well, I'll tell you what, we were in a heap of trouble. You know, I've got to tell you. Uh, let me uh, let me reset the tone here for everybody. And uh, uh, first of all, welcome you in again. Uh, we're an hour or two here on The Voice of a Nation. We have uh, on the call today with us here, uh, Wallace Garneau is here, uh, Ilana Friedman, uh, and now Mallory Millett has just joined us. And we're talking all things China today. Now, uh, a couple of pieces of things I want you to remember now. On the platform today, as you hear this program on America Out Loud Talk Radio, uh, there are some brilliant reads on China you want to go read from people who know what's going on here. The War of the Red Dragon. Uh, you will find that uh, th this evening here on AmericaOutloud.com. Uh, uh, and Wallace Garneau, who's on the program here today, is the author of that piece. He's a weekly columnist here at America Out Loud as well. And it's a great read, and we'll get into all the different facets uh, and more so of what we've talked about. Puts a compelling story out there to what we what the dangers are and what we want to be careful of. Uh, the other one that I mentioned to that Alana Friedman also is a great read and is up on the platform uh, at the same time here today, China's Future in the Balance is uh, that one titled, China's Future in the Balance. Uh, and uh, uh, all of, bo both of these are excellent reads. Get into them and, and uh, see what's going on. And we mentioned Mallory here. Uh, her piece that we published just recently, Absence of Truth Guarantees Failure, the China Virus. We'll make sure that's up on the top left feed where it says News Highlights on the platform today. Uh, so when you hear this now, if you're hearing this on podcast, as shows go to podcast, uh, just go under the names under our team and look up Ilana Friedman or Wallace Garneau, and you'll get uh, all of their write-ins there. Uh, they're both terrific writers and, and big thinkers here, uh, which is really what we have back at America Out Loud. And I want to invite you there. We have a, a, an amazing family of patriots uh, who are on the march here. Uh, we're on the march to... Uh, you know, to 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 reverse the wrongs and to take our country back. I mean, that's what we are. You can call us whatever you want. I know some of the people say you're, you know, when you're a patriot, my friends, you're a conservative, you're bringing the Constitution, they call you a right wing supremacist. If that's whatever it is, then call us whatever. We really don't care. We don't follow your rhetoric anyways. Uh, but that's the way they label you. And I've noticed that in recent days and weeks, they're trying to label the platform. Again, as you grow, too, and you get bigger and bigger, and we're growing really fast now, uh, like a rocket ship, and, and we can see the analytics in real time. And I want to thank you all for being part of this and getting the word out there uh, from sea to shine and see. Uh, but listen, our goal is very clear, is to get this generation right so we can preserve future generations for future Americans to live in peace and uh, to enjoy the beautiful fruits of this republic. Uh, for which it stands, one nation under God, right? Indivisible. For, is, did you want to put your hand on your heart? And right, isn't that what we do there? That is what we do as patriots, people. Uh, one quick note to tell you too during the break here. Uh, you've been hearing on the platform Healthy Cell. Listen, I, I've been taking this for a few years now. It is remarkable, but they have some new products out as well. There's one called Immune Super Boost. You've been hearing it in different shows, actually, in different networks that are talking about it, the host. And it's truly remarkable because it's got all the products in there to help your immune system so that when you do get hit by a virus or a flu or whatever, I mean, God only knows what's coming down the pike from China these next time. 
you know, they're working on all these other viruses and points of reference and gain of function stuff. And it's going to be a nasty world ahead, people. We need to be prepared to be healthy. It does come to our immune system always. In fact, that was one of the underlying things of COVID-19. If you had a good immune system, you really didn't have much to worry about. But if you had a compromised immune system, you had a lot to worry about. But that's the case it is with a lot of diseases and viruses and flus, quite frankly. I mean, don't you, don't you agree? I mean, you've got to, so it really is about keeping your immune system uh, healthy and, and, keep, and you'll live a better life all the way around. This product, Immune Super Boost, is a must get. It's got all the things in the, the echinacea, the zinc, the A, the D, all the stuff that fights and uh, push, uh, pushes your immune system upward and allows you to fight the next battle that's coming forward. Uh, you get 20% off all of our listeners off your first order. Uh, HealthyCell.com forward slash out loud gets you that discount only. Our listeners get it. Uh, and also, if you click any of the banner ads back at AmericaOutloud.com, you'll also get the discount. It'll recognize you as a listener and you'll get it there. All of their products are fantastic. Check it out, friends, HealthyCell.com. Uh, we're going to pick it up and talk more about Red China in just a moment here. And we'll see you just on the other side of the pause here. Listen to Malcolm, the voice of a nation on iHeartRadio or our free apps on Apple, Android or Alexa. Because of COVID-19, the average American worries about their immune health four times a day. That's 112 times per year. To minimize the worries, leading nutritional supplement company, Healthy Cell, created Immune Super Boost, an immune supplement that contains 15 full doses of science-backed nutrients like vitamin C, zinc, elderberry, and echinacea, all in a one-a-day pill-free gel pack. It tastes great, is convenient on the go, and it's more natural too, without chemical binders, fillers, and coatings. Supporting a strong and resilient immune system can be simple. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 20% off your first order of Immune Super Boost. That's HealthyCell.com, H-E-A-L-T-H-Y-C-E-L-L, and use code OUTLOUD for 20% off. Now, never before in our history have we witnessed the level of hatred that is now being waged against our law enforcement. While anarchist groups create havoc and overwhelm our first responders, these same groups and their corporate supporters are calling for the police forces to be shrunk and defunded. What can you and I do to make a difference? How can we stand up for what is right and to show our support? That's what I'm going to tell you about this incredible new platform. It's called ShopToTheRight.com. And it's a new shopping platform that will help you find businesses that align with your values. They feature products made in America. They support veteran-owned businesses as well as our law enforcement community. This is a time when we need to stick together. We need to shop together and we need to support each other. It's time for you and I to make some noise and stand up to protect our country. And one easy way to do that is to shop and give our money to companies that don't seek to destroy our way of life. So join the fight for liberty. ShopToTheRight.com. Support those American businesses that support law enforcement and veterans. While the cancel culture is determined to destroy our history, bringing violence and terror to city streets, America Out Loud will enhance its own message of love and honor 
for the American traditions and constitutional values that have always been the backbone of what America means. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. America Out Loud Talk Radio. Liberty and justice for all. The silent majority has spoken. We say, let the silent voices be heard. You can be the voice of change. Contact our producer at libertyatamericaoutloud.com. Libertyatamericaoutloud.com. Uh, you know, there's a lot of uh, restructuring happening in the world right now, if you didn't notice. You know, a lot. I don't use terms like new world order, reset, all of that. That's typically not my vocabulary uh, because you you become labeled as a theorist and I I really don't play in that arena. Uh, But the more and more you see that today, you know, uh, maybe we had, uh, maybe we weren't uh, really understanding five years ago or 10 years ago, but let me tell you what, let me be very clear with you people. I'm pragmatic. I deal with facts, data, and real life stuff here. And there is an absolute globalist movement to bring our nation into a bureaucracy, uh, a a world bureaucracy, if you will, a bigger body. And uh, that is is happening. It is absolutely happening. Uh, The restructuring of of, uh, nations. And, you know, again, it's, it's, we, we are living in historical moments of time. We are. And it, and it happened throughout the Trump regime. It happened uh, through the Trump administration, through the Obama regime. You probably shouldn't use the word regime uh, when you talk about a free republic. But, you know, you get the point here. Um, anyways, let's continue talking about this red dragon. I'm going to talk about World War Three. Let's liven up your day here a little bit and talk about what that might look like. Uh, so, you know, China is positioned for some very interesting things. And, and they're taking this fight very, very seriously. Uh, this what we would be World War Three. Now, World War Three isn't going to look like World War Two or one. This I can guarantee you, guarantee you. It's not going to look like that at all. Okay, it's going to look totally, totally different. Uh, cyber is going to have an impact of that. AI will have an impact of that, and biological uh, warfare will have an impact of that. Now you get the hint of what's happening here. Now you see all the hacks and the economy and the pipelines, and we're being stripped of our energy. And we're being bitch slapped upside the head of everything that was good for us right now as they take everything apart, right? And, and reassemble the deck chairs on the Titanic just before we go down. And then we say, well, Malcolm, where's the good news? Well, let's try to find some good news. But first, let's talk about World War III. Wallace, let's bring you back on here and talk about this. You referenced World War III and your brilliant read on the dragon here, the red dragon here. And you talk about three forms of warfare. There's informational, there's economic, and there's kinetic. And uh, we know that uh, two of those are not going to be it, and the the one is going to be it. It is a bit of an informational warfare that's going on where they use all of this this kind of square dancing, if you will, in the public square of woke and cancel and, uh, you know, all of this uh, CRT business and indoctrination of the kids. How does World War III happen? Yeah, we're in World War III now. We just haven't decided as a country what side we're going to be fighting on. Uh, China declared war against us for all practical purposes in 2015 when the, their, their war college actually wrote that document that broke war down to three types, informational, economic, and kinetic. China doesn't want anything to do with the kinetic war against us because they know that they would lose. 
So they want to stay away from a kinetic war, at least until they get to a position economically and militarily where they think they could defeat us. Then maybe they put that on the table. But what they're focusing on right now is an informational war and an, and an economic war. And we talk about informational warfare. We can actually break that up in two pieces. One is hacking the stealing of, of intellectual property, uh, taking down food systems, taking down uh, energy grids and things like that. But the other one's far more important, and that is controlling access to information. Sun Tzu wrote in The Art of War, control your enemy and you control the war. So if China can control us by controlling our media, as we were talking about earlier, you control your enemy, you control the war. They don't need to defeat us in a kinetic war because we'll be happy to do that to ourselves if they just keep feeding us the information. You know, Republicans are, are, are bad guys, Republicans are terrorists or whatever. No, they'll do that for, we'll, we'll do that for them if we keep, if, if we lose the information war and, and allow them to have access to, to all the information that we see. So the informational war is the biggest part. And there was another document that their war college came out with much more recently, and you, you referenced this a little bit, uh, where they said that the next war, World War III, will be largely biological. And what was interesting in the last segment, we were talking about India, and you said that, that, uh, that, that people were dying in India from this new strain of the disease. Rolana said that, rather, and that it was starting to even affect into China. One of the things that China's War College is, is, is talking about and is published about, they're collecting DNA from all over the world. And one of the things that China really, really, really wants to be able to do and is researching is creating diseases, whether they're COVID-based, SARS-based, or whatever, uh, that will attack specific ethnicities. So when she said that about India, I thought, well, gee, you know, that almost sounds like maybe they, they're, they're trying to do that. So all of that's all very, very, very scary stuff. So what happens? I mean, so if they're on the move right now, they've got all the levers here. We're doing it to ourselves, as you just stated here. You talk about the energy good. You talk about the economy. We talk, but they're not. You know, these people have got to be laughing their asses off, Wallace, because they—they're like you said, they're not doing any of this to us. We're doing it to ourselves. Especially, you know, you think about the Biden uh, program whatever the hell you want to call it. And they get back into power and everybody said, oh my God, if they get into power, it's the end of the Republic. I, if I didn't hear that, uh, you know, a million times, I didn't hear it once. Everybody in any circle that was on the right or a constitutionalist or a patriot felt that the country was done, put a fork in it. As I said earlier in the first hour, Americans never give up. We never give up. That's why we won the war. That's why we invent the product. We don't give up. But now we're at this point, and I guess we did that as sort of a slogan to, to make sure we get the election to try to get the people who are half asleep in the country to wake up and say, oh, what the hell, if we don't win, the, if we don't give this back to Trump, we're not going to, you know, we're not going to be able to keep the glue together. But now here we are, we got Biden in there, which people call him China's puppet. We know how him and Hunter the fa and the family, the uncles, I mean, the whole family, it's like a, it's a family of, it's like the Partridge family on steroids. I mean, the only thing they don't have is the decorated bus. I mean, these, these people are all over it, Wallace. I mean, the whole family's into the operation. Yet our political class continue to look the other way in this country. Here's what I'm wondering. The people who Biden aligns himself, the Marxist left, and those Democrats that are in the middle, how many of those people you think know what's really going on? Because I feel like we're, being, we're having a shuffle dance on the floor here. You got the, the you got the head China stooge in the Oval Office. You got the Partridge family that he leads, and now you you know you got this whole thing happening with China. How, do you think they know what's happening, or do you think they just don't have a high IQ and they're stupid people? Well, I, I think at the upper echelons of of the Democratic Party, I think that they absolutely have to know what's going on. Whether or not Joe Biden does, you know, that's that's neither here nor there. 
Uh, Hunter Biden, you know, I heard a funny joke about Hunter Biden. They said that when he had his interview with Burisma Holdings, uh, they asked him, do you know anything about gas? And he said, well, I know that you use a butane torch to light a crack pipe. <laughs> uh, so what they do know is how to enrich themselves personally. And uh, Hunter Biden, along with Joe Biden's brother, I forget Joe Biden's brother's name, uh, but the two of them had a company that was set up along with the Chinese Communist Party. It was an energy company. And it did not actually produce energy. What it did is there were bank accounts that the Chinese Communist Party put money into that Hunter Biden or Joe Biden's brother pulled money out of. And, and they pumped. This is between uh, between Biden being vice president and Biden being president. So over that four-year period. And they pumped tens of millions of dollars into the Biden family. So they just totally enriched the Biden family. And you know, they certainly know how to enrich themselves. I think there's also a natural alignment between the Chinese Communist Party and the and the, the hard left, uh, in that the hard left is kind of the vestige of, of what, what Stalin would refer to or Lenin would refer to as the useful idiots, which are the true believers of, of a communist or a socialist ideology within a target country. And we were for a long time a target country of Soviet propaganda and, and, and what have you. Well, when the Soviet Union collapsed, by then China had already started to emerge as a real economic power. And uh, they just picked up that apparatus and ran with it. So we're still fighting to that degree, the same Cold War that we were fighting uh, when you and I were children. All right. So, Ilana, if we are in a biological war right now, I mean, let's just call it what it is. And let's say we're in this uh, uh, this biological attack. If you look at COVID-19 and what's happened here uh, to our country here and, and we reference in World War Three. Now we're hearing a lot of reports. We've actually been hearing these for some time. They have a lot of other viruses behind this handy dandy virus that they had all set for the world. They have others in store as well. How nervous should we be, you think? In a, in a setting of what we're talking about here in a World War III, because again, I, I agree with Wallace, this isn't going to be a typical war coming up here next. It's not going to be a typical war, and it's not going to be a simple war. And I think one of the mistakes uh, we may make by calling it World War III is that it seems to be monolithic, and it's not. The world is very fragmented right now. And so when we're talking about World War III, let's talk about some, some of the players. I mean, we're talking about China. That's clear. And we'll continue talking about that. But we're also talking about Iran, North Korea, what's going on in Africa, and so forth. There, there's a, there are a lot of centers of um, conflict. And and we're talking about the Middle East, by the way. And by is, the way, let me add in, Ilana, that China has been positioning throughout Africa. They've been certainly been positioned in the Middle East. They're they're already pushing into the relationships that the United States had with many countries. China's already in the pecking order, and they're already taking control of a lot of these things. We talk. Listen, let me rephrase something too, as well, Ilana. When we talk about a World War Three, I I. I appreciate and I agree with your point there. Uh, you know, we don't want to become, you know, uh, just uh, flippant about the whole thing. But at the same time, uh, you know, a world war is how strategic players line up on one side to the next. That's what we've seen through World War One and World War II. That's made them world wars because you have an alignment of players and that becomes the strategic layout. If you see General Patton there, that's what he'd be looking at. And, and now we're, we're talking in a world war set and we're talking about now, uh, it, it really, China's already in the front of this thing because they've been partnering with a lot of these countries that we used to have great relationships with now. And uh, China seems to be at the forefront of some of those. 
I agree completely. And I think if we have to say who is our, to, who is our greatest enemy in this world, I think you would have to say China. Uh, they're doing something more than just those three areas, kinetics, economic, and information. Uh, they're also, as you pointed out, working in the area of bio biological warfare, and they're doing something else. Uh, Joe Biden has just reversed the sanctions on TikTok. And TikTok is an example of another area that, that uh, China is operating in now. This is a very popular um, uh, social media e expression outlet where kids, and, it, and it, it reaches out to kids and, and young adults. And they, they make these little, you know, 30, 30 second minute, few minute videos. Um, the people in my family have made a, at least one, maybe more videos. And what China is doing is collecting the biometrics from these videos and developing a database of the biometrics of our children and grandchildren who are performing on TikTok. Mm -hmm. And Joe Biden has just re, uh, released or taken away the sanctions on this company, which Trump tried to put on. This is so deep into everything American, into our freedoms, into our uh, uh, First Amendment, um, into everything that we do inside our homes. And, and it is you know, if you are somebody who gets frightened easily, it's terrifying. Yeah. Well, China and plays a smarter game, Ilana. They play a smarter game. Uh, remember, they, they've had, they, they, well, they've had all their students in the universities, right? Right. They've had all that going on. They've been stealing our technology, right? And now you That's mentioned- right. Billions of dollars every yeah, and now you mentioned TikTok. Uh, well, they've got a lot of that stuff, but no, they're storing up all this information, actually, and I, I'm certain of it as well. And they they they, are, they play well. That's well, that would be the informational war that uh, Wallace kicks on in his uh, uh, article there and his message, basically about the Red Dragon. It is an informational war, and they played it with Coca-Cola. They played it with the NBA, with sports, as we've talked about earlier. Uh, they played with a lot of different facets there. Um, we speak about the culture here. Uh, Mallory, uh, let's get you to hop in here about the culture here. The fact that you lived out there for all those years and you had a sense to be, uh, I guess uh, the word to be used, you were immersed into their, clearly into their culture, uh, Mallory. Um, we talk here about, uh, speak about an informational war, but things like uh, critical race theory, uh, things like the cancel culture, the woke, all of this stuff here, this is a big factor in grooming the new generation, the indoctrination of this generation. That's a, that plays out in a World War III in a big, big way because there are a lot of people here back at home that haven't a clue the, gen the younger generations of what's going on. Speak to that. Since I came back from living in the Far East, one of the things I've just, you know, I wanted to run up and down the streets screaming when I came back here because I knew such things that no one in America even suspected. You know, I knew, for instance, number one, that they are laughing at us. Donald Trump is absolutely correct. It's one of the reasons I fell in with him so fast and so easily was that one of the main things he was saying is that you must understand 
that the East is laughing at us. They are laughing up their sleeves. One of the things they say about Americans when you're living over in the Far East and they're having a conversation and they're, they've lost track of the fact that, they're, that you're in the room uh, and they're all talking amongst themselves. They say Americans are so stupid. They're the stupidest people who ever lived. They are so gullible. Whatever you tell an American, he will believe. So just tell them whatever you want to tell them because they believe anything. Now, this is a terrible thing, and they're very contemptuous of us. They believe that they're vastly, vastly superior to us. Now, the terrible thing that happened with the Frankfurt Group that brought all of their stuff over here uh, after World War II and all of the, the, these people who infiltrated through Columbia University and infiltrated our, and the feminist, Marxist feminist movement, they infiltrated all of our universities, our Broadway, our Hollywood, our educational system, our media. Now the corporations have been infiltrated. We always could kind of count on our corporations, but oh no, now the corporations are all... They're all in for globalism because they can make such huge profits. So there's, there's, there, we've got this vast number of people in the country who are wanting to join in with this one world order, you know, and they have our kids that they're, they're um, indoctrinating into socialism. They've convinced a, a huge number of people in this country that socialism is benign. Socialism is fine. You know, it's, it's not communism. No, no, it is communism. Mm-hmm. Uh, Karl Marx said very clearly, he said, socialism is the thin end of the communist wedge. So we're looking at this right now with China. Let's get to the final conclusion for listeners. What's the answer moving forward? We talk about the culture, Mallory. Uh, We're we're referencing this, whatever the hell you want to call it, this war we're in, because it is a war we're in with China, as Wallace is saying, nobody's admitting it. What do you see as the answer moving forward? We got all the problems here. We've laid out the problems pretty good. What's the answer? The answer is sovereignty. We must hold on to our national sovereignty and our individual sovereignty as human beings. These are the two things that these collectivists all over the world are trying to rob us of. Every time you hear the word collective, run for your life. You don't want anything to do with the collective. We want to have a sovereign nation of the United States of America with strong, firm borders where we understand that we make our own decisions as a sovereign nation and as individuals, 325 million sovereign individuals is what America, what makes America a strong country is 325 million sovereign individuals, many of whom are armed. Okay. That so, is what will keep us safe. Okay. So the, the caveat to that is, uh, Ilana Friedman, how do we wake up that other part? I mean, I love the strategy uh, and the thought that uh, uh, Mallory puts out there. And that uh, I agree with all of that. Uh, if we're going to you know, hold on to uh, uh, what we have here. But how do we convince those that part of America? I mean, you can't get that done. It's great in the theory or a thesis. It's a fabulous thesis. But how do we get it done? know that it's possible to do it in the short order, but I do believe that the more than 50% of the population, uh, if the last election is any indication, that supports America as we have known it and loved it, um, have to stand strong and recognize what the dangers are and be prepared for whatever is coming at us, because it looks like our government is not going to do that for us. Yeah, no. And we it, just have to. We just have to be honest in recognizing what's out there 
and what we're facing and come up with solutions that are going to work in the face of this deep division in our country. Yeah, well, it is a deep division and people run around and they say, uh, you know, you, how do we unite? Uh, I'm not interested in uniting with Marxists. I, I just, there's nothing in me that wakes up on a particular day and says, yeah, let's unite as Americans here. There's this fallacy out there. It's a bit of a hook here that somehow we're gonna wake up one day and be united. You know, Wallace, we talk about in your piece and on the program here, we've talked about a war. Okay, I get it. And we're at war. Yeah, we're at war with China. Sure. Okay, whatever that means. Got it. But we're at war with ourselves here, first and foremost, which is the bigger problem I believe we're having is this war we're having on the homeland. And as far as waking people up, I mean, there's these people who run around with this concept that we're going to unite. I think the days of uniting in America is long done and over. And I, and I really mean this. I don't see a future of uniting Americans. I, I don't see it. I think it's more than just at each other's throat. And I think more so it's because of the indoctrination of the extreme radical left. That's where it's at. And you can't you can't partner with those people. I mean, this is evil at its purest form. So now that puts the chess game out here in a very interesting way, could be a very lucrative way, too, if we ever figure out the path forward. What do you think it is? I think the path forward is what I think is I think the hard left really represents a minority view in the country. I think their game is what they do is they say, here are the things that we want you to believe. And you have virtue if you believe those things and you don't have virtue if you don't. And if somebody buys into that, once you start tying your sense of self-worth into your political views, you can't change your political views without eliminating your self-worth. And, and so it's a very, very powerful way to try to indoctrinate people. And you're right. We're not going to be able to unify with the people that have been indoctrinated into what I call it virtue signaling, you're not going to be able to connect with those people because if, if they try to listen to you, that makes them evil. By extension, you not agreeing with the virtuous things makes you evil. And they phrase it in those terms that we're good, you're evil. Uh, but you can reach the rest of America and there's a very, very large segment of the country that really just wants to politically be left alone. They want to live their lives. And it, they still want to be living in a free country. And if we can get them to see uh, the days of freedom in this country are coming to a close, unless we can, we can get the freedom-loving Americans uh, of, of, all, of, all, of all states and, and all races and what have you, everybody that loves freedom, that came here for that promise. If we can unite all of them, we can still win this. We got to do it now. It's going to have to be done. It's not going to be the, the, the big media houses. It's going to be groups like this, America Out Loud. Yeah, I love, I love what we're talking about right now. My fellow Americans, please listen to this message and put this in your heart and your soul. I love it. Because we, it, I just, you couldn't have a better program. We just put it all out there for you. Hook, line, and sinker right there. And what a beautiful wrap up with, uh, with Wallace Garneau. I miss uh, just a terrific point that would be my sentiments exactly. You know, the thing to remind of us is what he just did. The minority. Yeah, sure, the minority. They, they uh, have the... Uh, uh, they have the blessings of the, the Marxist media and the oligarchs and the social media and the media. That's the real damage is the media. I tell you this all the time. But there are enough of us. There are far more of us rather than there are of them. He's exactly right. He's exactly right. They are the minority. See, that's the golden deal on this whole deal, people. That's it right there. That's it. That's the recipe moving forward. It has to be. Has to be. There are more of us than there are of them. 
And you know there has to be. The other key is what he just said as well, which is, uh, you know, I was laughing when he was talking. You you could visualize that out there internally, I'm saying, not laughing in a in a way there, but laughing in, in a point of unity. Like, yeah, you got it. You got it. And that is the point of getting people in that center aisle. How many times do I say to you to please bring your independence we all have friends that are Democrats. Let's let's be honest, right? We we love them. They're 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 people that you know they've got lost along the way a little bit. And and there are some Democrats who are more moderate. Who we understand that maybe they're not as fiscally conservative as some of us are, but that's okay. They're socially liberal, and that's okay. That's part of America. That's JFK's party. We can deal with that. I don't have a problem with that. People, America's a tent that can deal with a lot of things. What it doesn't want to deal is with a Marxist takeover. You see, because these people, there's no compromising with a Marxist takeover any more than there's compromising with radical Islam. You understand what I'm saying? I told you those two things right up front were the problem. And here we are. See, you can't compromise with those two ideologies. They're not compromisable, period. End of story. OK, so that's why we can't unite with that. That's not good. That's why people say, well, we're going to unite with the radical Islam. Are you out of your flipping mind? Do you even know what the hell you're talking about? When people say that to you, just stop a minute and call them out for the idiot that they are. Okay. All right. Because it's rubbish. It ain't happening in this lifetime or any lifetime. All right. But the answer forward is what's been pointed out here. We've got to get that part of the parade together here. And if we can do that, we, we will. That's the bridge forward. That's the bridge forward. That's it. So I, I, uh, I, I implore you and invite you. Back to AmericaOutloud.com, liberty and justice for all. That is the message. That's what we're about. And, and do me a favor here. Here's how we do this. The next show, just bring a friend with you. If you do that each time you come, please, we'll double and triple the audience in short order. Uh, would you do that for me, please? Bring a friend, include everybody on the line here. Bring a friend. It's like you used to pack a brown lunch when you were a kid. You did one for your friend as well. Bring a friend. Bring a friend. It's okay. If they're independent, moderate, left or center, even better. And we'll treat them with respect and dignity and liberty and justice for all. Thank you, my fellow Americans, for being with me on the journey. As always, it's time to get involved and get loud. <laughs>